from today, the nuclear reactor of the gospel will be working in you. There are some evidence that the nuclear activator of the gospel is working in you. And one of the evidence is that you don't have any doubt. So that is the, the power of the book of Galatians. So you are all the servant of God. So for the servant, you need power. And for the servants of God, God has given his word. And when the proclamation of the word happens, you know, the word will not fall into the ground. You know. So I shared the prophet of Malachi yesterday. So God has put his truth on the lips of his servant. Which means that when you open your mouth and proclaim the word of God, and the word of God is proclaimed as well. Hello, noise. Ah, uh, is it okay? So it'll be it better, right? It's better now. So the thing is that, you know, our church always prophesies about the president, you know, that you know, will be elected in the, in the future. So which means that we have the authority to rule over the world. And for this time, for the presidential election of Turkey, and we know that Erdogan has no possibility for being a president. And his political opponents, they are united together you know, to react against Erdogan, the former president of Turkey. But you know, God told me that you know, he is going to be a new president as, again. So I proclaimed. And then Erdogan became the, the president of the Tur nation of Turkey. So in terms of the eschatological picture of God, you know, Turkey should be united with Russia. So that is why God, you know, has set him as a president of the uh, nation of Turkey. So that is the authority of the church. You know, God you know, proclaims his plan through the church that he is going to you know, rule over the world through the church. So like Amos 3.7, God always talks about and shares about his uh, plan with his servant to do something. So God is now you know, rising, raising up you know, those sort of you know, glorious servant of God who has you know, the authority of the word of God. So I believe that many of you will be like that. So I want you to absorb the world with faith to receive grace. So as soon as you receive the word of God with faith, and what will happen is that the authority of the world will be will become real to you. So we had the first session yesterday, but we haven't, you know, you know finish it everything so that is uh, chapter 1 verse 4 which is the content of the gospel right and this is the most important part of the the chapter so we have to you know, look over this part and then we will continue until 2 12 
So I hope that I can finish the whole book of Galatians this time. I hope that it will, it, it will go very well. Because the book of Galatians is very important for all of us. So when you eat the word of God with faith, you know, God has intended certain purpose you know, for each book of the Bible. And the result of you know, eating the word you know, with faith you know, is that you, know, you will have the power and authority out of the, the Bible. So for my position in the church, I sometimes prophesy, but fundamentally speaking, I'm not a prophet. But I'm the one who can see the whole picture of the kingdom of God. To know now the plan of God that in His ruling over the world and His decision for the world, and God has allowed me to see this from when I ate the book of Habakkuk with faith. So the book of Habakkuk is about God's decision for the world, and His economy for the world, right? So after eating the message of Habakkuk, you know, the spiritual eyes of me has opened to see the whole nature and the whole reign of the kingdom of God. And this time, you know, I already shared about the story about the Turk Turkish uh, President Erdogan. In terms of the eschatological plan, you know, Turkey should be united with Russia that he has to be a new president, he has to be president again. So that's why I proclaim like that. So the 66 books of the Bible you know, has that specific intention. So for the book of Isaiah, you know, what is the intention of God you know, for the book? Is that you know he wants us to have the the power to see the whole scales of the kingdom of God, and you should pray that our material will be in, in, uh, translated into Spanish that you can read it and you can understand it. So you know, through the book of Isaiah, you have to see the whole story of salvation. So what I mean is that you cannot understand the whole thing you know, to see the, each part of the Bible, right? So that is why you know, all the churches should proclaim the book of Isaiah first to see the whole picture, right? Because God has specific intention for each book of the Bible. And the Word of God is not something like theory, right? And that is the authority of the Creator God. And it's the power to, to uh, rule over the world, rule over all creation. So each book of the Bible has this specific intention. And for the book of Galatians, what is the intention of God? Is that God wants uh, to give us the powerful authority of the word of God through this book, right? And the word of God is a reality and it's the life. Because of that fact, you know, we can receive power and authority through the book. So I want you to take this with your face.
of course, in speech words, you have to you know, form something you know, out of long time. But you know, most of the things will become reality when you take it as a phase. So the same thing for today. So when you take the word of God, I proclaim to you with faith, and then the authority of the word will be given to you immediately. It's not because of our willingness, but it's the willingness of God. God wants to give you that kind of authority and power to you. So we are desiring, of course, but God is desiring, you know, more powerfully than us. He wants to bless His servant to give them authority of the kingdom of God. So please understand the desire of God for you. So we can understand, we can measure how He loves you, how much He loves us. So especially for the servant, you know, his heart is really, really hard for you. He's desiring for you because the kingdom of God hinges upon you. Because you are, you know, pastoring the church of God. So we know that how important the church is. So that is why book of Acts 10.28 says, you know, the church is bought by the price of God. So strictly speaking, is the price of the blood of Jesus. But why it says the price of the blood of God? Because he sacrificed his son, you know, for the church. So he expresses this heart of father, you know, for the church. Right? So, because of this fact, you know, there's nothing that God cannot do for the church. So, that is why in the first Timothy is saying that Macarius Dios. Macarius means, you know, blessed, but it's not proper word for God. But didn't Paul know about that? But he already knew about that. But it shows that you know, God is responsible unlimitedly for the church. So God wants uh, to make church happy, right? So your pastoring ministry should be happy as well. You have to be, you know, rejoicing as, you know, every day. That is why Paul is using the word makarios. And God has unlimited responsibility for the church. That is why the church cannot fall. The church cannot, you know, fall away. Because God is responsible for the church. So let's say I have a son. And I am great rich. And I gave him billion dollars. And do the business. But you know, his business didn't go very well. So I gave him, you know, 10 billion. And he failed again. So I say this time to him that I will give you unlimitedly to the business. So shall he be successful or not? So I, I'm giving him unlimitedly. There's no reason that he will fail. So because I'm responsible for him unlimitedly. Isn't it true? So the relationship between God and the church is like that. God is giving you unlimitedly. He is responsible for everything of your church. So please have faith in this fact. So that is the church. So that is why Paul is using the word, the price of the blood of God. So if you understand the heart of God for the church, and you will be bold and brave, and you will not be oppressed you know, any longer. 
So are you the servant of God, called by God? So there's nothing that we desire more because he has called us and he's responsible for me. So like Romans 11 says that he's calling, and he doesn't regret his calling you know, for us. So God has called him to be a servant of God, but God doesn't say that, okay, you know, that was wrong choice. You know, it's my fault. He doesn't say it like this. So because he has called him, no, he's responsible for me, him, and I will give you money if you need, and I'll give you wisdom if you need. I will give him power you know, if he's need, in need of the power. So authority, everything. That is how God is. So when you live with God, you know, in a long time, then you understand who he is and what he is. So that is why I have no limitation. So I want to share about the theme of faith in uh, this time. So the prayer is not begging. It's not beggars begging to have, you know, to have, you know, nice food. So to use the name of Jesus is that. It's kind of we have authority to ask officially, you know, as a royal children, that we have the seal of God, seal of the King. That He's saying that I will do, you know, I will work for you if you seek you know, through my name. So that is why prayer is strong, because it's the calling you know, for the help you know, from King. So let's go back to the book of Galatians again. So in verse 4. And this single verse can summarize all the messages in the whole book of Galatia. So to understand Galatia properly, properly, you have to see the whole picture and then you have to see the part of the book. So this is not my philosophy. But it, this is the way in which Paul has written this book. So he summarized everything in one place. So if I you know, compare the book of Galatians, it's like the, the ship is moving towards the mountain, uh, not to the sea or not to river. So that is why you know, the book itself is a little bit difficult to understand. So that's why I'm you know, preaching about the whole picture and then I'm focusing on a specific part of the book. So that is how the spirit is you know, moving through the book. So the first four is a whole summary of the message of the Galatians. So this is the content of the gospel. So we talked about gospel you know, yesterday. So you know, please feel that the element of the nuclear reactor, the gospel is now working. So the first element was the gospel and the second one is revelation. And then we shared about the element of grace. So and the gospel is the gospel of God, right? So it's not just simply good news. But it's the good news of the Creator God, who is the King of the Universe. And this is uh, about the renewal of the Kingdom of God. So renewal of the Kingdom of God means that it's not that beggar you know, had some money to buy his food, but the beggar became a priest. So the human limitation you know, became the eternal life. 
so this is amazing in the news. That's why when you hear the gospel of God, you have to, you have to you will rejoice. So those who are in desperate situation, they will be you no know, you know, having hope, you know. So 33 years ago, when I first encountered with the gospel, and my life before then was not you know, a real life, but I became a totally new being after encounter with the, the gospel of God because of the power of the gospel. And the gospel is given to you through the revelation. So you are now communicating with me through revelation. So I'm not based on my note. But the Spirit is giving the necessary Word of God to you. And then the Word of God is the truth. And because when it goes through the, the revelation, it became the truth to you. So th there are many reasons that the saints in your church is not changed. But one of the main reasons is that they don't receive the Word of God as the truth. And the main reason that they, they cannot receive the truth is that they don't have revelation. So for the church in Thessaloniki, you know, in three weeks, you know, the rumor, the news about their faith was spread all over the world, right? And we can say many things about that, but firstly, the, church, the Christians in Thessalonian, Thessaloniki, and they, they choose to hear the message of Paul as the truth, truth of God. So the same thing to you. And it's not that you know the one of the Korean pastor is preaching to you. And if you listen to me in this way, it's kind of waste of time. But when you listen to my message, thinking that, believing that, you know, God is speaking to, through me, and, and when you choose to hear my message with the, as a, the truth of God, then it can be the power and life of God. So can you hear me well? Especially those who are sitting in the side. And it seems that you know, those who are sitting in the front, you know, they are enjoying. And I, I don't have good eyesight, but I cannot see you all. But you know, I, I want all of you, without any single section, you know, go into the deeper glory of God. So let's continue. And verse 4. And this verse consists of three verses. And the first element of the sentence is that Christ has given himself for our sin. So I'm based on the Greek in you know, original text. And the second thing is that Christ gave himself according to the will of God. And the third element is that he gave himself to rescue us from the present evil age. So these three sentences consist of the whole verse. And it's the core of the gospel of God. And And the Korean Bible used the word atonement, but it doesn't appear in the original Greek text, and it's useless. So atonement doesn't appear here on the basis of the Greek text. So the translator you know, did some you know, auxiliaries here. 
but it distorts the original intention of Paul. And because they didn't know about the, the intention of God, so this wrong, inter, wrong translation. So, so there are many reasons that the servant of God should, you know, be able to read Hebrews and Greek because you know, your Bible, your translation, you know, has some, you know, errors which might be very, uh, very, you know. dangerous to you and for instance in the Spanish Bible uh, when they translate the Hebrews 12:22, they you know eliminate the word church because the church is one of the congregation members of heavenly council but they skip the word so all the Greek text and Greek manuscript they include uh, the the word church you know in the Greek original text so So they cannot, you know, insist on that the wrong translation that skipped the word the church. So that is the fourth of the he Spanish translation of the Hebrew 12:22. So this is one of the the, the, the fatal issues in terms of the translation. So when I started my ministry 25 years ago, and I had the first sermon, and God has opened my spiritual sense, and I haven't recognized that it was heavenly counsel at that moment, but you know, if I you know, recollect that in the moment, and I, I could recognize that God has covered me with the heavenly counsel, that I have the throne of God, and Jesus is there, and there are a lot of angels and heavenly hosts, and then the righteous are being with us. So at that moment, I just have one saint. So I, I began to preach. But you know, I felt that you know God is the one who received the best of my best of the grace, you know, from my preaching. So I was really rejoicing that you know I just preached to that one person for five hours. So that is why my sermon, you know, began to become wrong, longer and longer. So for the genuine church, you know. It is covered by the heavenly council. So, the where do you think is the Garden of Eden? It is, you know, the, the, the Temple Mountain currently. When before Adam's fall, the Temple Mountain was connected to heaven. So as soon as Adam has fallen, you know, the Temple Mountain is separate from the heaven. So like the same thing to the church. If your church is the real church, the genuine church, the genuine church is a part of heavenly council. It's natural that the heavenly council is being uh, covered. You know, it's, it's, it's going to cover your church as well. So that is another prophecy from the book of Malachi that, you know, the glory of God will suddenly come to the, the temple, which means that you know, the church has the throne of God. So Israelites, they need temple, right? Why? Why is that? Because they need God who will be enthroned in the temple. And then he will rule over the people of Israel over there. So what is the 
perfection of Exodus is not when they just came out from Egypt, but when the Temple of Solomon is completed and then the Lord is being enthroned in the throne, that is the completion of Exodus. So the concept of Old Testament is the same in the New Testament as well. So this is so much important. So fundamentally speaking, the church is exists as a, the one of the, the the part of the heavenly council because it's a spiritual thing. You cannot see your physical eyes, but when you live by the spirit, you will see that this is the reality. It's not just the pure imagine. So now at this moment, the heavenly council is covering us because I am the pastor from the real church, genuine church, and I know that there are many pastors from the real church. No. So let's continue. So the word of God is reality. It's not abstract, something abstract. And but it's spiritual still. So is heaven real or not? It's real, right? So spiritual things are real. So like this tower is reality, but the spiritual world is reality as well. When you don't live by the spirit, you cannot see spiritual things. So that is why I'm emphasizing that to live through the spirit. So we have to finish verse 4. So let's see, look at verse 4. Christ gave himself for our sins. So we are talking about righteousness. So the correct expression should be like Jesus Christ gave himself you know, willingly for our sins. So in terms of Paul's expression, you know, of sometimes in he expressed you know, the Christ event in that way. But Jesus died for us. It means that you know, the destiny of Jesus is to die on this earth because you know, the human sins should be paid through human. That he became sorrows, the flesh you know, exactly the same with us. And he, uh, the John the Baptist, imparted the human sin you know, to on Jesus. And then Jesus took all the sins of human beings and then he died on the cross. So through that event, we are uh, included with the righteousness of God. Because you know, originally we should die, but he died instead of us. So we can say that we are pure and we are sinless. So through that Christ event, cross event, at the same time he earned the, 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 the status that he became uh, the son of God, which means that you know, he became the son of God, although he was not son of God before. <laughs> but you know, he had the identity as son of God, and when he came to the earth, but he was not able to use that authority because he should live as a human being you know, without you know, committing any single sin for paying back for the price of our sin. So through this, 
you know, Jesus was recognized as a son of God. So that is what Romans 1.4 is saying about. So by the spirit of holiness, he was raised from the dead and he is declared as a son of God. So being the son of God, becoming the son of God, being declared as son of God is the victory of the cross. And the enemy has already knew about that. So he tried to make Jesus not to carry his cross. So what was the most severe attack against Jesus? It is to make him use the power and authority of the Son of God. So if he used that, if Jesus used that, our salvation will be nullified. But he you know, lived as a human being per perfectly, relying upon the Spirit. And he had Sarah's flesh, you not know, the same as us, and he didn't even commit any single sin. That he was able to atone all the human sins. So he became the Son of God. And at the same time, it means that he became the king. So he is anointed Messiah. So it is the meaning of the word Christ. So it's not that a certain human being died on the cross. But the Christ, the Messiah, has died on the cross. So the cross stands for the responsibility of God you know, for his love for human humankind. And the cross is from God. So for you, for you one person who died, the Christ has died for you. So this amazing truth. So after meeting, encounter with God, you know, one after one year since I encountered with God, I, I've been always crying, you know. And it's not understandable for me that, you know, how God can die for me? How God, how Christ can die for me, you know, for this, you know, little human being? Even, you know, he told me that, you know, if you are the one person who will be saved, you know, through the cross of Jesus, you know, I, you know, you know was willing to, you know, send my son to save you. Isn't it amazing? So this is the meaning that, you know, Christ you know, gave himself, you know, for our sin. So he was willing to give himself for us. Now what does it mean? Like Isaiah 40, you know, God has appointed one person. Uh, that is his son, his only son. And Psalm 40 says, the Messiah is saying that you know, I'm offering my body for you, God. So it was not by force that he died on the cross. But the son has solved the conflict of the father God. So God has made human being because of his love. Uh, strictly speaking, he delivered us. So we are born from God, although we are created as well. And that is the thing that I will speak in verse 4, uh, chapter, uh, verse, verse, chapter 4, verse 19. So it's about the image of God. Now I shared about this in Costa Rica last time. Anyway, God, you know, gave us a birth, you know, because he loved us, but the humankind has corrupted. 
but God is holy God. So he cannot ignore this fallen humankind. And the core element of holiness uh, we can see in, in two ways. One is love and the other is righteousness. So in terms of righteousness, the humankind should be under judgment. But in terms of love, God cannot judge humankind. So what was the conflict of God? He said, you know, he cannot you know, kill them or he cannot revive them you know, without you know, any condition. But to see this conflict of Father, Jesus, the Son, he gave himself to say that, Lord, please punish me. <laughs> so in that way, he was able to solve the conflict between his righteousness and love. So that means, you know, he gave himself willingly. He was not, you know, put into death you know, by force. And he was willingly, he was willingly and pleasantly gave himself for us. So we'll be sharing the cross of Christ in chapter 3. So in that aspect, the cross is not something very simple. It's not that uh, a young man, a lonely young man died on the cross. So this amazing event has happened to you when you are saved. So this is the meaning of the phrase that Christ gave himself you know, for us. So the event of the cross has satisfied and solved the conflict between righteousness and love. So as a result of this event, you know, the grace that we can have is that you know, we are holy because God is holy. Because of the satisfaction of righteousness, out of the cross, you know, God is able to you know, pour out His love unlimitedly on you. So that is why He gave you His holiness. This is a tremendous event. So do you believe in the fact that you are holy? You can interpret holiness many ways. But you know, firstly, it means that you are separated. Because God has given you holiness he will not, you know, change you with all the creation, all other creations in the world. <laughs> so the love you received is not the love in, in the world. It is only love, unique love. And the power that is given to you is not the power, human power. But that is the unique and only power. So that is why we call him as God of Echad. Echad. Echad means that he is unique. He is one and only. So second, it means that Christ gave himself according to the will of God. What does it mean? Let's look at the book of Hebrews for this. So I'm dealing with the whole picture of the book of Galatians now. 
So after grasping the whole picture, I will be go into uh, each single sections. And Hebrews 10:9, he says that then he said, "Here I am. I have come to do your will." And that is quotation from Psalms 40. I have come to do your will. And Jesus came to carry his cross, but it is to fulfill the, the will of God. So what is the will of God? It is to set aside the first, to establish the second. And maybe some of you know about the message of the book of Hebrews. And the first thing means that and it is the high priest on earth. So it is abolished through Jesus. So the core of the book of Hebrews is chapter 7, 8, 9, 10. So the four chapters. But because it, express, it explains about the, the, the things that Jesus has fulfilled you know, to come to earth. He said you know, he abolished all the old covenant in the Old Testament. And then he you know, established the second thing you know, in a fresh way. So it means that you know, the humankind now should live in this second new you know, order of God. So please listen carefully. There's no option for you. And outside of this spiritual order, you will die. Because this spiritual order is set and established by the sacrifice of the Son of the Creator. So there's nothing better than this order in the universe. So God has opened the only way for us to enter into His glory. So that is why Hebrews 2 says that through the Son, we are entering into the glory. So there's one, one and only option, which is glory. And in terms of glory, you know, I will speak it again you know, in, in, the, the, in the future. You know. So I, I'm putting all the things you know, back to the uh, back. To the back, so, but we have to deal with this issue first. That uh, he established the second thing, but he abolished the high priest over us. So who Jesus is said, you know, like Hebrews 5:5 5, 5 says, he is a royal son, which means he is the son of God, and he is ruling over all universe instead of God on behalf of God. If you believe in this fact, you know, you can, you know, risk your life. You can give your life for Jesus. And then second, he became the Son of God, rules over the world. But, you know, with this identity, he cannot open the way to, toward God. So that is why Israelites, they have both king and high priest. But not only becoming the Son of God, but he became the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Which means that he has opened the way toward God. So that is why Hebrews 4.16 says, he says that, so please you know, approach the throne of you know, grace to earn his grace. 
So because of Jesus, we are allowed to see the face of King to receive grace from Him. So I'm going to speak it later. That is the content of righteousness. What is righteousness? No, it shows that it means that you are authorized to see the face of God, face of King. That you can, you know, advance the, uh, the the throne of grace every time. So it's not something happened very suddenly, but this is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah 3. And in Zechariah 3, you know, there's uh, high priest Joshua. He is a high priest, but in vision of Zechariah. And he was wearing royal garment. And he stands for the being of Jesus Christ. He is high priest, but at the same time, he is wearing the royal garment. So that is why in Second Peter says that, in the first Peter, that you are royal priest. You guys are royal priest. And secondly, you know, what he abolished is that, he has abolished all the laws, and I'm I'm going to talking about the law. So that means that you know, we should not live through the law, live by the law, because it has been abolished already. And and the third thing that he has abolished is that he had abolished the tabernacle of the earth, and he has abolished the the the, the sanctuary and the holy of holies on of earth. So after his you know, death on the cross and the curtain between the sanctuary and Holy of Holies, it is very strong, but it is torn apart, right? Which means that the tabernacle of earth is now being abolished. And the, the way to the, the sanctuary that is not made by human hands are open. So I will deal with it later anyway. I, I put everything back, you know. So it's not that we are entering into the earthly tabernacle, but like in you know, Hebrews 4.16. So we are entering into the heavenly sanctuary. And heavenly sanctuary, where it is? And it's, it is a headquarter of God, you know, from which you know, God is ruling over all universe. In Old Testament times, you know, God has done some heavenly council, the council of Jehovah there. So is there a Jehovah's council now? Do you still need to have some you know, judgment or trial when you, you know, commit sin? No, we don't need to have that because our uh, bleeding advocate who is Jesus, he has done everything for your sin. So no, no matter what kind of sin you have done, but the power of Jesus will wash them away. So that is why we can be victorious every day. He's saying to us that you are righteous, you are righteous. We don't need trial, we don't need judgment. So that is why we can now enter into the heavenly sanctuary. And the place where the, the council of Jehovah happened. And then Hebrews 7.25 says that, and Jesus was there. So when we pray, and he holds my hands together, and then he is, you know, to bring us to the, the face of God. He is supporting us. So Romans 5 says the same thing. 
like Joseph, he bring his brothers to the, the face of Pharaoh. He is now bring us to the face of God. So there's many reasons that our prayer should be answered by God. But he is supporting, he is guaranteeing our prayer. The Son of God is guaranteeing our prayer that you know, our prayer should be you know, listened by God and our prayer should be answered by God. So that's why we have to enter into the Holy of Holies now. But there's some reason that you cannot, or no, you cannot feel, is that you cannot you know, maintain the state of the new person. For some person, you know, he, he enters into the Holy of Holies, but in, he quickly you know, moves out from there. So he cannot, you know, have the excitement to see the face of God. I will deal with it later, anyway. So we have to, you know, deal with this issue first. And then what he abolishes is that. And he has abolished sacrifice and then, then the worship. No. In Old Testament way, we don't kill lambs and goats because we have the blood of Jesus. You know, by the blood of Jesus, we can have righteousness that we can enter into the presence of God. We don't need to kill the animals any longer. So that's why Hebrews 13 says that uh, the only worship that we offer is the, the, the worship of praise and then the worship of doing good. So when you, you know, give a cup of water to a humble one can be regarded as the sacrifice to God. So every little thing that you've done, you know, for God will become a flagrant worship, you know, for Him. So everything has changed. And this amazing grace, when you understand about that, you no, know, you cannot help but to you know, maintain the relationship with Him. You no, know, there's no reason that you don't want to believe in this amazing grace that God has established for you. Let's say the pastors are cooking breakfast, you know, beautifully for the for your wife, but it's for your wife. But it can be uh, worship, flagrant worship, you know, for the Lord. You know, that, you know, He is saying to you that, oh, my loving servant, you know, you have served my, you know, my, my beautiful daughter, you know, for me, that, you know, your, what you did can be regarded as sacrifice for Him. So can you believe this? So, pastors, please, you know, make a delicious breakfast for your wife. But I know that the pastors in Latin America, they can you know, serve, you know, your wife very well. But the pastors from Korea, they cannot do it, you know, very you know, well. And, but... And I, I urge you not to, you know, hug with, with, with your wife, you know, in the worship time. You know, that makes me jealous. And you have to focus on God. So let's continue. So what he abolishes is that the, the old covenant. 
that he can give us the new covenant, that we can say that we are the beings of the new covenant. So like the prophecy in Jeremiah, what is the new covenant? He said, the, the word of God has come into your heart. And like the prophecy of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, the spirit of God is now living in you. And like First John, and the power of the Holy Blood is being sprinkled upon your heart. So he has sprinkled his blood upon our heart. That is from Hebrews 10. So I'm going to deal with it later. So all these things are abolished you know, to, you know, to, to, set, to set the new things. So in verse 10, Hebrews 10.10, 10, and by the will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. No, these old things happened once for all through the body of Jesus that we can become holy. So if I expand a little bit more, so by the sacrifice of Jesus, we are included with the righteousness of God. Which will be dealt with in the book of Romans later. So, because of this, we have holiness. And verse 11 day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And when Israelite, you know, having a sacrificial system, sacrifice system normally, and they used to have. And then two twenty thousand five twenty five thousand you know the, the priests for the nation, but they have to retire when they became fifty because you know the job of the priest was very hard you know they are they have to serve you know while standing but the the, the problem is that you know. He offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. And this is from Leviticus 16. Now, no matter how many lambs you are killing you know, for your sins, you know, that sins is not forgiven, but the judgment against the sin is being delayed. That is the effect of the sacrifice in the Old Testament. And the, the record of the sins are accumulated in the temple. So in order to cleanse the record of the temple, you know, it has to be you know, atoned. That is the thing that we, uh, we they, they used to do in the, the, the day of atonement once, once a year. So they cannot, you know, solve the problem of sin totally. So the old sacrifice system just you know, delayed the, the judgment against the sin. So atonement sacrifice is not the something, you know, that is for the sins that has been done deliberately. So if someone has committed sin deliberately, it cannot be solved at all. But the only thing that the, the sacrifice of atonement you know, can uh, deal with is the, the sin that happened you know, by mistake. So who can you know, do, who can deal with this deliberate sin? It's, a, some, it's something that Jesus only can do. So that's why we can see that how important the work of Jesus is. So verse 12, but when he, the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand, right hand of God. 
So what is the sacrifice that verse 12 is describing? So it's a sacrifice by his own body. And then he confirmed the, the perfect victory to sit in the right hand of God. So is it normal atonement for sacrifice? The normal sacrifice, you have to impart the record of sin and you have to sprinkle uh, the blood of the animal. But for the Day of the Atonement, you cannot sprinkle the blood of the animal which, is, which has the record of, of sin being with impartation. So for the Holy of Holies, you have to have the pure blood that has no record of sin. So what is the, the sacrifice that verse 12 is, is describing? And we can see it from verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So, so being uh, made holy means that uh, there's a the general atonement. So, you know, Christ has, you know, Christ you know, received all the record of human sin, and then He poured out His blood you now outside of the, the, the outside of the, the town, outside of the temple and then but when he enters into the holy of holies in the heavenly sanctuary he needs a pure blood that has no record of sin and this is about uh, hebrews chapter 9 and with this pure blood he entered into the heavenly sanctuary and then he deleted all the human all the record of human sins through the history. So there's two different functions in the blood of Jesus. The first function is to eliminate all the record of human sin. And then the second function is that he has the pure blood that is out of his life, you know, not being, you know, not, not committing you know, any single sin. So these two different, you know, sacrifices. So the, the sacrifice for the righteousness and the sacrifice you know, for uh, being you know, for 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 sprinkle, sprinkling um, the the pure blood. So we are the receivers of this eternal sacrifice. So the sacrifice and sacrificial blood on you is the blood that has no record of sin. That is the pure blood. So there are some elements in the heavenly councils. And there will be a judge who will the judge for the whole universe, and then the thousands of angels and the church and Jesus, who is the mediator of the new covenant. And there's uh, the blood who speaks about righteousness, and that blood is also in you, in your heart. The blood is life. And what it is, is saying to you is that you are righteous. You are righteous. You are righteous. And that the blood will speak to you eternally you know, to say that you are righteous, you know, to confirm that you are righteous. And it testified the holiness that you received from God. And that another one who will testify is uh, the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16. You know, it says that he testified the fact that you are the children of God. Continuously, you are my children. You know, even if you commit a sin, he, he doesn't accuse you, you know, as a, as a sinner, but he always says that you are righteous, you are holy, you are pure. He keeps saying this to you. 
So let's continue. So isn't it amazing? So the third thing I want to share in verse 1, 4, chapter 1, verse 4 of Galatians. In Christ gave himself to rescue us from this evil age. So it means that he didn't put us into this evil and dark age that we are mingling with these evils. It means that you know, he has predestined us to earn the perfection of the salvation. So as you are become, you become holy and holy, and then although you are living in this world, but you are not influenced by the world. So this is a stage that you will perfect your salvation. And this is the perfection of predestination of God. So I told you that there's no more atonement in this verse. Atonement means that you just pay for the sin. But this thing you know, has, been, has been dealt with when Jesus came to us with his human body. But not only atonement. So that is why you know, the Catholicism has deceived you. So what is your foremost purpose? Is to just go up to heaven, right? This is the way that you know, they deceive you. No, they are saying that uh, she paid the cost for your sin. And even Catholic churches, they are deceiving you to say that, you know, the, the, the sins of your relative who has already died, you know, will be atoned, you know, if you, you know, offer some money you know, to them. This is, you know, nonsense. So, so atonement is not just one and only purpose for us. Because we are destined to enter into his glory. Because we are heirs of God. Amen. So we are royal child, royal children. It's not just human dignity, but it's kind of amazing dignity that cannot be you know, imaginable you know, from human point of view. So going up to heaven is not the purpose for us. You know, strictly speaking, the heaven does not, you know, it's not something that you have to go into, but it is you know, destined to come upon this earth. So the kingdom of God will come down. It's not that you are going up to the coming, uh, coming, coming up to the kingdom of God. Now, all these things are deceptions of the great prostitutes, and all these wrong you know, fake truths you know, are implanted as a fake chips. You know, so that cannot understand the, the glory of God. They cannot understand the honor and dignity of God. You have to eliminate all these things. So the book of Galatians will you know, work in many ways. You know, especially it will you know, awaken you to understand the deception of the enemy, deception of the great prostitute. So we have finished it, verse 4. But the thing, one thing I've left is about the, the calling to mission. And I have left you know, verse 14 and 15 untouched. So there's some issues about the dates. And verse 18, then after three years, and in chapter 2-1, and it says about 14 years. So what these years, what these dates mean is that, and 
for about AD 27, Jesus died on that year. Of course, you know, different scholars speak about different you know, dates, but according to the, the, the Gospel of Luke and other records of the Bible, we can you know, see that Jesus came to earth, you know, BC 3. No, it doesn't matter, you know, what you believe, because it's not a fatal, fatal issue. But according to the, the Gospel of Luke, you know, I can, you know, say that Jesus come to, uh, Jesus has has born, you know, in uh, AD 3, 3 AD, and then uh, Jesus died 27 AD, and Paul was one of the witnesses of the death of Jesus on the cross, and then after three years, you know, he was revolutionized, you know, to see Jesus on the way to the Damascus. And Paul began to preach the gospel after his conversion, right? But he began to be persecuted by the Jews. But you know, God you know, prevented him to preach the gospel. That Paul went to Arabia. So that is what Galatians 1:17 is describing. And after three years. He went up to Jerusalem, and strictly speaking, he went to Damascus, and this is uh, 32 AD, and this is based on uh, the book of Acts as well, and this happened in 32 AD. And then the first visit to Jerusalem happened in uh, 35 AD. So Paul stayed in Arabia for 17 years as a result. And during that period, he was you know, moving between Damascus and, Tars and Tarsus and Jerusalem. And he had the time for being appointed as a, the, the apostle of the gospel of God, you know, like in First Thessalonians 2.4 speaks. He, is being, he was being made pure you know, through these 17 years. And Acts 9.26 says that, uh, it describes about this event. And then there's a second visit to Jerusalem. It happened in uh, 43 AD. And 49 AD, Paul had Jerusalem Council. That was the third visit of Paul to Jerusalem. So from AD 27 to the 45, Paul had to spend the time in Arabia for being recognized as a, a servant of God. So, uh, what I describe is based on um, the event that Paul had visited Jerusalem for the second time. So, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, no, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. So what is important is that you know, God didn't use Paul immediately after his encounter with Jesus. And actually, he was not able to because he was influenced still by the legalism. 
and the the the, the knowledge and and the the the, the Hellenistic philosophy and Jewish you know, legalism. You no, know, Paul had you know, these amazing things with him. So he needed the time to you know, eliminate all these unnecessary things from him. So apostle, you know, the way in which God is you know, appointing apostle is that first, you know, God calls somebody as apostle, but you know, he put him in the desert you know, for training. So that is why I've been you know, staying in the desert for uh, 13 years. But for prophet, you know, he calls prophets and he makes him to prophesy immediately. So can you understand the difference between prophet and apostle? But in this way, Paul is appointed as an apostle of God. <laughs> so let's continue from uh, verse 15. So let's pray once more. So let's pray together. So we shared about the content of the gospel. So we share the amazing love of God through the gospel, right? You have to receive that amazing love. And God has abolished the first thing to set up the second thing. So our Jesus Christ, he is a royal son and he is a royal priest. So that is why we have to you know, give up our life for him. So we have to live through only through grace, not through the law. So it's clear from the Galatians that to live by grace is the only way for only ocean for us. And then we are the beings who can enter into the heavenly sanctuary. So with faith, receive this truth. So we are going before the throne of grace. We are allowed to see the face of the king. Amen. And we are now offering sacrifice through the blood of Jesus. So what we can do, what we are doing is the sacrifice for God. Our good deeds, our worship, and all the ministries that we do is something that God received as a flagrant sacrifice for him. And even when you give a cup of water to a certain person, you know, that is going to be the sacrifice, flagrant sacrifice for him. So you are the king of new covenant. So please enjoy this Simon. The word of God has come into you and the spirit of God has come into you to make you a tabernacle of the, of the creator God. So how tremendous it is. So the God, creator God is now in you. So this is my favorite illustration. So when God has come down, came down in, on the mountain Sinai, the Israelites, they were trembled so much. They were afraid of God. So that they, they, they told Moses, said, you only go up to the mountain to see the face of God. But this amazing God has come into the center of Israelite. <laughs> so they were afraid of the presence of God that they cannot even you know, go to the toilet. But this amazing God, it's now in you, making you the, the, the sanctuary. So when you have the right relationship with him, you know, it's natural for you to revere him. If you lose reverence, it means that you are losing the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
So if you have reverence toward him, you cannot do the things according to your will, according to your thinking. Now how can you live according to your will? Now even if, you know, if, if he is living in you, he is residing in you. So let's pray together. Lord, the pour out your presence here. Now through Jesus Christ our Lord, you have done this amazing thing for us. We have heard the word of God. And we want to receive this word with faith. So I want this servant of God here can be revolutionized with the word of God. That they can be established the servant who will please you. So verse by verse, we want to take it with a, with a faith that they can see the glory of the gospel. Let man, manifest the glory of the gospel. Manifest your revelation. Manifest your righteousness. Let them understand what grace is and let them believe in the fact that they are heirs of God. Lord, please open the gates of the heaven widely and pour out the royal anointing. Pour out the anointing of the king and touch your servant so that they can be free from, liberated from all the bondage. Let them be no, softened that they can you know, receive God himself. So bless your servant. You know, speak in tongues. Speak in new tongues. Be filled with the joy. With, faith, with your voice. With your voice. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Pray. Pray. Lord, pour out your anointing. More powerfully. More powerfully. Feel. Feel us. We know that your love is perfect. Your love is perfect. We praise you who gave us this amazing love. And please work with this amazing love for this conference. So let's go into chapter 2. So we'll try to finish all the book, but you know, for other books of the Bible, we can have some interval between preaching and preaching. But for the message of Galatians, we should have nine total elements to the reactor, reactor of to activate the reactor of the gospel, nuclear reactor of the gospel. So I want to finish all of them. So what is important for you is to desire and absorbing, and then that will even facilitate in the speed of my preaching. You know that when the train, you know, you know begins to move, it, you know, begins to move, it, it, it moves slowly, but it, you know, the speed is accelerated, you know, as it is, you know, going and running, right? So let's look at from verse 15. So we are now entering to the main body of the book. So it says that, so 2.15, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. So it's very straightforward. And it shows that Paul is angry now. So Paul is now saying in this way, 
so he is you no know, sneering at the Jews that you know okay you are Jews that you are sinners and you are not sinners and the Gentiles all of them are sinners so he is now you know mocking them mocking the Jews who are acting you know, hypocritically so before you know 29 AD I mean and there was a time that you know Jews and Gentiles were mixed into the same place when they worshiped together so from verse chapter chapter 4 there's some messages only for the Jews so which means that you know, although there was some conflict between Jews and Gentiles but you know they used to form a single community you know mixing Gentiles and Jews all together so they are united together so strictly speaking the root of the church you know, from the Jews right and even the churches in Asia is established by Thomas who is Jew so fundamentally speaking, there has to be Jewish flow, Jewish origin for the Church of God. So that is one of the main reasons that we have to serve the, we have to do ministry for Israel. The purity of their faith in Yahweh should come into the church as well. The flow of Jewish origin, you know, it is necessary because there are, we can say many things, but without Jewish DNA, the church cannot exist. So let's say God has established His church through Gentiles 2,000 years ago. And maybe we will need another 2,000 years. But you know, through the 3,000 years before Jesus, you know, they were maintaining the, the flow of the Word of God, revering Word of God. So as soon as Jesus come, they were able to understand this is the fulfillment of the prophecy in the Old Testament. So in that sense, Old Testament is not different from the New Testament. And the Old Testament is about the Messiah to come, and then the New Testament is the Messiah who has come. So it is necessary that the church is established by, was established by Jewish people. So the DNA that has been running through for 3,000 years is now being confirmed through Jesus Christ. So that is why Jesus is saying that, you know, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I have come to, you know, perfect the law. So I have to deal with the issue of the law in Galatians, but it's not true that Paul is neglecting the Jewish law. But what Paul rejects is the spirit of the law, spirit of legalism. In Romans 7, Paul is even saying that the law is good. So the law itself is not a problem, but your source that received the law is problematic. So I'm using the original Greek word, like source, but there's no, one the main reason that there's no you know, proper expression. 
No, in English we can say it's sinful nature, but it just satisfies 50% of the nuance that SARS has. So just understand that the, the reason that I'm using the original Greek word. So SARS is the nature of your old person. And even Jesus, he took Sarus when he came to earth, which means that he became the same human being with us. So I know, uh, do you have some digestion problem to eat the world not too much? You know, I, I remember the, the time in Costa Rica you know, that you, you, you shouted amen, amen, but now you are not you know, shouting amen. Are you shocked by the message? Thank you. So let's continue. Let's continue to verse 16. So know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus. So being justified. So we are now dealing with the element of righteousness. So revelation, gospel, and righteousness. So this is the third element that we'll be doing, you know, we'll be dealing with. So I want to deal with Romans 3 and Romans 7 to you know, deal with about the theme of righteousness. You now this is how, you know, Paul has recorded, you know, the book of Galatians. So without Romans 3 and 7, you cannot understand the message of Galatians. So I speak this always, you know, whenever I have conference. Without the anger and the point of view of old person and new person, you will not be able to understand the message of the Bible. So this is the angle through which you can understand the Bible. So early churches, they presupposes uh, the theme of the anger of old person and new person when they listen to the word of God. So like the same thing to us. So even though we do not you know, refer to old person, new person you know, vocally, but we have the presupposed you know, to understand the whole message of the Galatians. So I'm going to touch this area as well to, today. And I know that some of you have already heard of it. And the record of the New Testament, it has clear distinction between old person and new person. So if you continue to live by the Spirit, there will be some evidence in your life. So to live by the Holy Spirit means that, and the early churches, they wanted to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So one of the reasons that Paul was torturing about, uh, um, being tortured about the Corinthian churches is that, you know, all the early churches, they were able to enter into the entireness when they are saved. But only for Corinthian churches, there are some people who are staying in the state of sorrows. So it's like they are not born in the, in the proper way. You know, they have some disease and illness, you know, from point of view of Paul. Of course, they have some you know, spiritual gift and the power and wonders, but still, you know, they are abnormal, you know, from Paul's point of view. 
also one of the, the principles for the early church is that they have to maintain the fullness of the Spirit always. It's not that, you know, they, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a special accident that you can, you know, get from the special conference. But, you know, the essence is that, you know, you have to maintain 20 hours, you know, 30, 60, 4, 5 days, you know, you know throughout the, the, the years, uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Fullness of the, the Holy Spirit. And which means that you are being in the, the state of the new person, like... You no, know, one John says that you know the one who is born from God, he they will not you know commit sin. The reason that they will be able to you know far from you know sin is that they are the beings of the new person that they will not even you know commit a single sin. So the one who commits sin is yourself, your old person. So if you are maintaining the status states of the, the old person, and you will commit sin. But if you are maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then you will never you know, commit sin. The new person is under God's dominion, and it is under God's influence. It is under God's holy presence. It's like you and I, and you, you in I, and I'm in you. So it is being in the the dynamics of the triune God. So about the righteousness, and for the theme of righteousness, we have to say about, speak about the salvation. When you are saved, there are several events that happen to you. In Titus 3.5, and you are born again. And so let's, let's go to Titus 3.5. So Titus 3.5. He talks about the washing of reverse and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So, so the scale through which I'm speaking to you is too wide. That, you know, I can sense some of you are losing your points. You know, like, okay, okay, I don't understand. No, I can help it. No, please don't that. Don't do that, you know, this is precious time that God has invited you to be this place that you have to follow me, right? Please don't try to understand it with your thinking, with your brain. Just open your soul, open your spirit, open your faith. And all the, the, the sermons are recorded that you can, you know, go back to the sermon, you know, after you know, this conference. But you know, please just absorb all the message. So, because of you know the pointlessness of some person, you know there's some works of the spirit of unbelief. In the name of Jesus, the spirit of unbelief, go away. So let's continue. The washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This is the most brief expression about the salvation by Paul. So when you are saved, what happened is that, firstly, he is using um, the washing of reverse. So in John 3, 5, 
You cannot enter into the kingdom of God if you are born again through the water and the spirit. So the washing means that you are washed by the word of God. The word of God has come into you. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy in Jeremiah 3, 31, 33. So you are being now being the being of the new covenant. So all the dirty things are washed away through the word of God. And when you say, when you are saved, this event has happened to you. So from Jewish perspective, this is unimaginable. How this holy word of God can came can come into the human being, but it has happened through Jesus Christ. So I'm saying very briefly, and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So when you are saved, what happened additionally is that, like Ezekiel 36, 27, you know, the Spirit you know, came to you to reside in you, that He is renewing you continuously. He is transforming you. So there are many biblical passages about this. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it leads you from glory to glory that he can form the image of Christ in you. And he is leading you into the deeper glory and the renewed glory. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what it is. So he is continuously making you transform, renew, renew, and renew. Go into the deeper glory and new glory. So these two things that happened when you are saved. And additionally, like in Hebrews, the Lord has eliminated all the record of sin with his pure blood entering into the heavenly sanctuary. So, so it's amazing if you know about this. It means that even if you do the sin, you do some sin, you are essentially righteous. So let's say he is my son. He commits some sin, and can I say that you are not my son? And he does something good, and I, can I say that no, you are my son? No, this is not the way in which he is dealing with me. So it's not by your work, and it's not by your what you do. And if I you know treat him in this way, you no, know, he's going to be crazy, you know. So. Even if we do sins, God is still speaking to us that you are my child because we don't have record of sin any longer. So we are existentially righteous. So does it mean that we don't need to repent? No, that's not. So when we commit sin because we don't have any record of sin, the file is not recorded in the heavenly sanctuary, but it is recorded in your conscience. So there will be a list of sins in your conscience. But it's not you know, problematic any longer. Because, like Hebrews 10.22, God has sprinkled His blood upon our hearts that can erase the record of sin when we rely on the power of the blood and repenting and uh, the, the record of sin will be erased and plus and the power and authority of sin will be eliminated as well so as you keep repenting you will become holy and holier 
So listen carefully. This is something weird that happens to you. Maybe you know, some of you will do these things you know, already when you listen to the Word of God. But you know, because we are forgetting about our identity, you are now in trial every time. Like you are listening to the uh, accusation of demon and the condemnation of demon. You know, it will you know, take you f the spiritual energy from you. But the thing is that we don't have any trial any longer. The demon cannot dare to you know, have trial against us because we have the loyal blood in us that we are existentially righteous. So when you believe in God, and, but we, you don't have joy and you, you don't have boldness, it shows that you know you are listening to the whispering of the enemies that accuse you, that you know condemns you. But if you believe in existential righteousness, you know it's natural for you to enjoy and rejoice every time, and you are bold and brave. So like David, you know, even though he was in Old Testament time, but he believed in the power of the blood, and after you know have some adultery against Bathsheba, but he repented for one weeks, you know, crying a lot. <laughs> And his illegal son has died. As soon as he hears the news, you know, David didn't cry any longer. But he ended his fasting, but he put anointing upon himself that he started to, he began to eat some nice food because he has received the righteousness from God. And everything ends there. So it's so much important to believe in the existential righteousness given to you. So the issue of righteousness that is connected to the blood of Jesus. So because of the blood in you, it says that it testifies that you are righteous. So that is why in 1 John 5.8, it says that water and the spirit and the blood, these three things are one. Which means that in Greek language, they are directed toward each other. So you have to understand, you know, experientially. So let's say I, I did a sin, and immediately the Holy Spirit makes me recognize about the sin. And then you can repent through the recognition by the Holy Spirit, and then the Word of God will you know, confirm you about the sin, and then when you admit that you commit a sin, and then the Spirit of God is going to pour you uh, the spirit of repentance, and then you will be able to use the blood of Jesus. So the Word and the Spirit and the blood are working together. So God is brave and bold, and He has confidence in you that I can make you like me. So he is saying to you like this. So how he can you know, say you know, to you, you know, this, with this boldness, because he has put you know, the water and the spirit and the blood in you. So it, these three things you know, open the way to solve the problem of sin. 
So that is why the Bible says that the one who is born again, they will not, you know, commit sin any longer. It's not about behavior, but the new existence, new being, which is the new person controlled by the water and the spirit of the blood. It will not commit sin. That's why God, with boldness, proclaiming to you that no, I will make you like me. So those who are still committing sin is that you know they are deceived that you know you know that the, the enemies are too strong. The, the bondage of sin is too strong. No, 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 no. You know, the, the, one of the main reason is that you cannot believe in what God has done for you. God has prepared everything for you to solve the problem of sin. But when you cannot believe in this, you cannot use it. So for the next conference in Central America, we have to do you know, book of Hebrews. You know. So the book of Hebrews is very important, you know. So when you, you know, please visit our internet website, and I've you know I've you know gave lecture on Hebrews in Paraguay. So please listen to that you know lectures. The book of Hebrews is so much important for us. We can call it the fifth gospel books because it talks about the ministry in heavenly sanctuary. So let's continue. So the issue of righteousness connects to the issue of the blood. So when you receive the power of the blood and you became righteous, so the righteous means that, righteousness means that and as we will be in looking in Romans 3, it says that you are sinless. You are without sin. How he can dare to say this? It's because that you know, we are created to meet with God, right? But with sin, you cannot see the face of God. So because of this, because of the power of Jesus, you know, he declared us sinless. So righteousness means that you are allowed to see the face of God. And we can say it in another way that we are nominally righteous. We are legally righteous. And the kingdom of God is not allowed for only for legally righteous. No. Only practically righteous can go into the kingdom of God. How is it possible? And we can, you know, see the reason from the fact that we are having the old person and new person in, in us. You know that demons are judged already. But why God didn't finish the judgment against the demon? Because he wants us to have practical victory. And to destroy the demon is by the power of God. And then the victory of God will be a victory of ours. So when we do spiritual warfare against demons, when we fight against demons, when we win the victory, and the glory of the victory will be ours as well. And demons, you know, they are something that we can play with. And we can you know, relieve our stress against them. So it's so stressful. And I'm beating him like that. No, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Whom, to whom I can punch, you know. I, I can, you know, punch demon. So we can trample down the snakes and scorpions. 
<laughs> so let's continue. So we have dealt with the problem of righteousness from the point of view observation. So let's go to Romans 3. It's important. So fundamentally speaking, the blessings of the gospel is that we are receiving righteousness from the gospel. So this is one of the, the fundamental blessings from the gospel, to receive righteousness, that we are regarded as sinless. So Romans 1.17, Paul, keep, Paul keeps saying that. So Romans 6, no, we are liberated from sin. So we are free from sin. So what does it mean? It means that there's no problem in our life any longer. Why? Well, the, the problem of life originates from the problem of sin. So if you solve the problem of sin, we can say that you don't have any problem in your life. So I'm not saying that you, know, you pretend to you know, be rejoicing. No. Because you know, those who have solved the problem of sin, you don't have any problem any longer. You know, strictly speaking, you know, nothing can be problematic to you any longer. So we have talked about the reason that Israelite has to have the temple. So the first reason is that they have to have God enthroned in the temple. But second thing is that, you know, they regard the temple as a means through which they can solve the problem of sin. But strictly speaking, it's not the solution, but it's delaying. But because of the temple, they have the pride in a chosen person, like, you know, to boast you know, against it. And the Gentiles said, no, we Jews can only you know, solve the problem of sin. That is the pride of Jews. And they know that no sin, the problem of sin creates all the problems of, of your life. But if you, as long as you solve the problem of sin, you can rejoice and there's no problem in your life. That is why God is saying to you that no worries, don't worry. No, no if you solve the problem of sin, then there's nothing that you have to worry about. If you solve the problem of eternity, there's no problem for you any longer. If you became the son of God, if you became the son of king, there's no problem for you anyway. So that is why in Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is saying that don't worry about what to eat, what to have, just seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This event is practical. It's not abstract, it's not just imagine, imagination. It is a practical event that God has achieved. So in order that you can manage the maintain, maintain the rich with God, you have to maintain the righteousness. And then you have to make the power of the blood working in you. So the evidence that you are maintaining the righteousness, you know, is that you are in the states of repenting, repenting, repenting. So you saw a girl and she's so beautiful and then as soon as you think about that, you repent, right? So, Lord, I took the spirit of immorality, right? And you have greed to see some good stuff, and then you repent about your greed. 
So when you maintain this righteousness, you will keep repenting, repenting, you know, as you, you are living in the life. So in certain moment, from a certain moment, you will be able to eliminate the power of the Sarks. So we have to deal with the message of the Habaku. So no, please listen to the message of Habakkuk no, after this conference. So because you are maintaining your righteousness, you can meet with him no, whenever you want. So when you are looking yourself that you are repenting, then you can see that the power of the blood is working in you, that you are emptying yourself, you are eliminating your fleshly desire and fleshly power. I don't say that you have to do your effort, but when you look at the, the face of God and the Spirit of God will begins to walk for you and walk in you. But the reason that you cannot feel the movement of the Holy Spirit is that the, any other filthy things are filled in you that you cannot even you know sense he is working in you so like when you are fasting for 40 days you no know, and after the fasting when you drink your water a cup of water then you can feel that the water is coming down from uh, the throat to your 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 stomach you no know, like that you know in order to feel the movement of the holy spirit you have to be emptied like philippians 4:19 because of the the surpassing you know, quality of jesus i you know Gave, gave away, you know, and, uh, you know, you know tongues, you know, the, the, the human philosophy and the world tendency, everything. You have to eliminate, you have to empty yourself, you know. But it seems that you love tongue, you know, you know, so much. Please, please, you know, giving away, give it away. And then after that, you will own Christ and you'll be found in Christ. And He is in you and you are in Him. So you will be able to maintain this relationship. So because of this reason, Paul is confessing that, like Philippians 3:11, and he is imitating the death of Jesus. He is forming the death of Jesus in him, which means that he is learning from Jesus that he, you know, fight the fight against the, the fight the fight against the, the the sin, the power of sin. Jesus hasn't ignored the power of sin, not even in a single moment. So we can see that from the picture of Jesus from the Gospels, right? So as a result. You know, we know Christ and we know about the power of resurrection that Paul is able to, you know, to partake into the sufferings of Christ. So the, the, the confession of Paul is that, you know, I have not achieved yet. Now I'm you know, forgetting everything that I've done, but I'm just running toward the, 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 the goal, ultimate goal. So let's continue. And Romans 3. So. <laughs> so service will end. No. So Romans 3. Verse 19. It's about righteousness. And the righteousness is working in you. And God has, I mean, the Lord has sprinkled his blood upon you. Hebrews 
So after salvation, when you are saved, this event has happened to you. Uh, though you may not be able to recognize it when it happened. So because of this righteousness, we are entering into deeper repentance and you will keep repenting and repenting. No, you repent not because of some you know, tremendous sin, but when you see the origins of evil in you, you will repent. So like Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 19, 15, and Paul was able to enjoy the, the, the top of his spirituality, but spirituality, but he confessed that you know, I'm the worst of the sinner. No, why Paul is confessing like that? No, did Paul you know, have sinned you know, tremendously? No, he was able to see the origins of sin that you know, he is confessing in this way. So when the, the blood of God, blood of Jesus is working in you, you will be able to see the essence of your sin. And when you solve this problem, then you will be entering into the glory of God. So this is also found in the message from Habakkuk. So let's look at verse 19. So now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So for Paul, the law means that. And of course, sometimes it is Jewish law, but in many cases, in most cases, the law can be applied to the Gentiles as well in the same way. Of course, to the Jews, you know, the law means that is the works of the law from 613 decrees of the law. But for Gentiles, you know, it is to live according to their own strength. So for both Jews and Gentiles, if they live by, their same, live, live by themselves, you know, they are living by the law. <laughs> Because the human being cannot, you know, um, live without the, the flesh. That's the limitation. But living by grace is not like that. The new person doesn't live like that. So strictly speaking, those who are working is not me, myself, but God is working for me and for you. And like Jeremiah 33, 1, that God is the one who will walk and who will accomplish his work. So God is the one who walks. It's not me. And the works are done by angels. So Adam is not created to walk, right? And he is created to have communication, fellowship with the Lord. So we are created as a pattern of love for him because God is love. And love has to have life. So that is why you know, he gave birth to human being. That he gave us birth, you know, as according to his image. He's not just make us, you know, like in the factory, but he has implanted his life upon us. So image means that, you know, it is called Shalem in Hebrew. But this is the reason that he loved us like that, because he has shared his life with us. So it's the same, you know, the same principle that you, know, you are loving your children. Because you love your children, you gave everything to your children. Like in the same way, God is giving you everything. Like you know, being heir and the power and authority, the kingdom of God. Even he has given us his only son, right? Because you are the image of God. 
And then, you know, the enemy, they know about that. They, 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 they close your eyes, you know, not to be able to see that. You know, this is the work of the enemy, especially the works of the, the Catholics, you know. So that is why I am resentful you know, against Catholics, you know. No, they distorted and they 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 the clothes you know, covered this this amazing you know the truth. You know, so that's why we have to you know, pull out you know all the chips of the great prostitute. So you know, to live by the law means that you are living with your own strength. So the problem that you are living with the law is that, and then you know, it says that all will be under the law, I mean, they will be, you know, accountable to God, you know. So, the, one of the, the, the principles that we can see from the book of Romans is that the three as you know, Satan uses, you know, secular to hook up yourself. So, so using the secular as bait, you are, you know, you know caught by, yourself is caught by Satan. So that means that all the people of this world are controlled by Satan. So the reason that we are calling the world as Babylon means that the, the enemy, they created a system called Babylon. And they are running this system to control the humankind. So we don't use the word, word uh, the word, but we are using the the word Babylon to describe the world, and it stands for the system of the world. So politics, economy, and cultures all are included in the Babylonian system. So as long as you are living through yourself, you cannot, you know, escape from this system. So in order to separate yourself from this system, can you kill the Satan? No, he will not die until the, the judgment in the white throne. No, and the world it cannot be destroyed until Jesus comes. So the thing that you have to eliminate is yourself. But what is thankful is that yourself died already. Like Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. So you are dead with Christ. So your old person is being ended. Of course, you know, the, the old person in you will revive when you receive sin. So that is why you have to continuously, you know, the killing and kill, killing, kill, kill your old person. So, so anyway, we have to receive the truth that we died with Christ. This is the, one of the core elements of, you know, that, that we have to take. And Romans 1.17 says that, and this self is died to sin, it died to sin, and the died one cannot commit sin, so it died to sin. So that, this is from Romans 6, so that's why Paul is saying from Romans 6 that we are liberated from sin, that we are no, no longer under sin, we are free from sin. Oh, you know, different expression, you know, describe the same reality. So in Romans 7, you know, it says that we are liberated from the law and we are, we die to the law and we are not controlled by the law. The same thing. So when yourself died, you know, this all happens. So if yourself didn't die, 
No, you have to commit sin you know, continuously because this art has the system to you know, absorb sin, the power of sin, that you will always commit sin. So when you commit sin, and you will be under accusation of the law that you have committed sin, and then your judgment will be decided. All humankind will tremble you know, under the judgment of God, right? If, if they, they live you know, through their self. But if, if you don't receive this amazing grace by Jesus Christ, and then the, yourself will make you commit sin, and then you cannot you know, solve the problem of sin, then you will be under the accusation of the law. And then as a result, you will be under judgment. That is why uh, Paul is saying that the wage of sin is the death, is death. And then in Romans, Paul is describing you know, that kind of person as uh, being under the judgment, a dominion of the, of, of the power of death, which means that you are free from his righteousness, you are free from his presence, you cannot react to you know, what he is working for you. That is a dominion of death. You cannot feel God. And uh, the old person cannot feel the presence of God. So this one thing will create amazing excitement for me, right? So that's why we are saying that we are crucified with Christ. So let's go to verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Of course, you know, Paul is using the term law, but you know, he is always using the law with the, the expression of the work, so works of the law, because the law requires some works. So the righteousness of the law is to do something, right? It's about working. So when you live your, by your strength, and your personality will do, will work in some way, and your thinking is working in you, and you are planning something by yourself, and you are reacting against towards your experience, you are reacting towards your possession. Like, you know, I have $10 that I can buy something or I cannot buy something. And if I have something, you know, I can do this thing or I cannot do this thing. So the law is accompanied by the works. But in contrast, the grace of God is accompanied by your existence, not the works. So I'm going to deal with this issue later. So the old person is always having the works of the law, but uh, the human works is not good, you know, ultimately, ultimately, all the works of the law originates from your self-centeredness, you know, whereas we have to live, you know, according to God's self-centeredness. So, you know, when you live by the law, you, know, you are, you know, living, you know, for yourself. So you do everything you know, on this principle, on the basis of this principle. So when you live a uh, self-centered life, you know, everything will be nullified. So it says that through the law, we um, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So in verse 21, it says that, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. 
So it means that the, the law can somehow give you righteousness as long as you can you know, keep observe you know, 613 you know, decrees of the law. Now, if you fulfill all the things, and then if you can have everything that you want to have, if you can study what you want to study, but then you will be righteous. But you know, because of the problem of the flesh, you cannot do the things you know fundamentally. And the, the decrees of the law are ironic to each other, and you will not be able to you know, you know, commit. I mean, observe the law you know out of your thoughts. What you can do through the law is the one thing. And for the Gentiles, the law is their conscience. You know, the only functions of the law is to make you, you know, understand, make you know about your sin. That is the one and only you know, functions of the law for you. You know, what we need is to overcome the power of sin. But, you know, if the church loses the power of grace, and the power of the law will be you know, increasing in the church. And then the law will give you condemnation because its function is to make you known about the sins. So like Romans 7, 8, you know, to take chance, you know, you know, through the law, you know, which means that the law is used, I mean, the sin, the power of sin is using the law to create you know, some sin in you. And the flesh, you know, uses the law to commit sin. So for Sars, the law is not, you know, beneficial, you know, any longer. It is, its only function is to make you known about the, the, the sin. It can never give you the power to overcome the power of sin. So maybe then you are confused to understand what is grace and what is law. What is the law? Because you know you are disconnected from grace, you know, for a long time. You don't know about what is grace. But as long as the church is maintained through the grace, you know, the church will be able to recognize the power of the law when it comes into the church. Like, you know, you, you know, feel pains and you feel awkwardness when the, the spirit of the law enters into the church. But you know, many old people are living through the power of the law and the principle of the law. They don't know about the limitation and they don't recognize the power of the law. So, like when you pray, you know, you can pray two hours and, you know, you can, you know, pray in the same shape, but one person is praying through the law and the other is praying through grace. But the shape, outer shape will be the same, but as time goes by and the power of prayer will be different from each other. So the works of the law will be looking similar to the light by grace. So like, you know, I can, you know, give you illustration of plus and uh, times. So like, you know, one plus one is two and one time, two plus two is four and two, by two is four. Two multiplies two is four. And three plus three is six. 
and 3 multiplies 3 is 9. No, there's some difference. So 4 plus 4 is 8, but 4 times 4 is 16. This is the principle of grace. Can you understand that? So the blessing of the children of God is that it's not about plus something. And they are living out of, you know, sowing seed and it's reaping something out of it. But the blessings of children of God is that if you are sowing the seed once and then you will be reaping, you know, 60 times and 100 times and 10,000 times from the book of Deuteronomy. That is a principle of grace. You don't live out of the work that you do, but through grace, what God is giving to you. So our enemy is the spirit of the law. And our enemy is to live self-centered life. So when the spirit of the law comes into the church, there will be no abundance of God. So, like, you know, if church has $1,000, the church can work just as the amount of $1,000. No, this is not the principle of grace. You don't live what you own. But when God's decision is made, then everything is ended. I have a lot of, you know, testimonials about this, the life of grace. If God decides anything, then I just say, Amen. No matter what, how much I have, no matter how much I can do. And then after the decision, you know, God is giving us in you know, abundance of God. So we have to spend a lot of money, almost, you know, seven, seventy million dollars, you know, you know, for last 20 years. So it's not possible for us you know, to use that money. And the you know the, you you can see a lot of Korean ministers here, but they 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 had to use the credit card uh, to buy the the plane ticket. You know they are not rich. I mean, so we are poor. You know, and I, I shared this story in Costa Rica, and the winter in Korea is very freezing and very cold. It can go under the 20 degrees Celsius minus. But you know, there's a person who want to offering their money, you know, you know, not using boilers, heaters to warm them up in this harsh winter. So we are you know, having this conference with this kind of money. So it's not that we are rich that we can have this conference. So I'm saying about the abundance of God. But God pours out everything unlimitedly for us because it's because of the principle of grace. So it's so much important. So I want you to kill the spirit of the Lord through the book of Galatians. So this is the heart of Paul. So 22, verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
So that's why you have to believe that Jesus is Christ. And through this belief, through this faith, the righteousness of God is going to be manifested to you. And the content of the righteousness will appear from verse 23. So do you feel difficulties? So we are almost there. And, and we have to finish all the things. If I lack time, lack of time, now I will use the afternoon sessions for tomorrow and the day after tomorrow for finishing up the, the, the exposition. And for today, you will have the time with my wife. And this is very important time you know, for you to open your eyes to the spiritual discernment. And God is going to pour out strong anointing of prophet. So maybe for next year, I'm going to have the, 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 the pastor's wife conference. But it's not this idea. But the main speaker will not be myself, but my wife is going to speak. And you know that you know my wife is strong. And the person I'm afraid of in this world, the only one, no, I'm lying, I'm lying. I'm not afraid of my wife. So let's continue. So please pray for the conference. I want you to have the conference for pastor's wife next year. And in Honduras, they are establishing Zoramin's churches in Honduras. And I have to go there. So anyway, let's continue. So we have to finish Romans 3. In verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The shore of glory, right? So from the moment when God created Adam, and God wanted us to give his glory to us, so we are dealing with the issue of righteousness. Righteousness is not something new in terms of the plan of God for human, humanity. The, from the moment of creation of Adam, he has given Adam righteousness that he can meet with God. So the cre creation of God, when he created us, his original plan didn't include the fall of humankind. So let's say that I'm a father of my son and then I'm expecting that my son is going to be corrupted. This is nonsense. If, if so, you know, I, I'm a bad father and if God is said like that, God is so, you know, he is a kind of gangster. He cannot do the things, you know. So God intended the fall of humanity. He didn't intend it. If so, if he intended so, no, God is a bad person, right? Because he knew, he already knew about that. No, 
you know, the reason that God has made the, the forbidden tree, you know, it's not, you know, because of that, but because he wanted to say to Adam and Eve that, you know, the only option for you guys is to obey me. That is why God has created the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. So God didn't want them to, you know, be falling away from God, you know, to, to create that tree. If so, you know, God is not the God of love. <laughs> So it's about predestination, but it will take three weeks, you know. No. And one of our doctors, he wrote his thesis on the theme of predestination. And predestination is influenced by the, the corrupted truth of the great prostitute. And for you know, enhancing their authority of the church, Augustine, you know, he had interpreted the Bible in a wrong way. And they you know, made the theme of original sin. But original sin doesn't appear in the Bible. And Augustine is a little bit, you know, arrogant. No, right, Augustine. And he only had you know, Latins to speak, so he was not able to you know, interpret Latin Bible, you know, Romans 5.12. He made long interpretation of the, the verse. He was not able to speak Greek, and he, but he just interpreted in uh, Latin that he made the, the, the principle of original sin, and the Calvinism has inherited that wrong teachings as well. So in terms of predestination, God doesn't speak that he predestined someone who will be perishing, who will be saved, being, who will be being saved. And predestination only, uh, predestination, uh, when Bible speaks about predestination, it all is always about, you know, the predestination that God will make them you know, glorious and blameless and, and holy, you know, for the children of God. So, you know, if, if so, if it's not so, you know, God will not, you know, God would not give the free will to the humankind. And how he loved us is that, you know, he has given us the image of God, which means that, and God, you know, gave up his omniscience, you know, for the humankind. So let's say I have forgiven him, but do I forgive him in with the expectation that he will you know, fall away again? No, no, I cannot really forgive him if I have this you know, possibility in my mind. You know, so the fact that I have forgiven him is that you know, I choose not to know about the future falling away. So he is trusting in you. And he is ruling over this universe with his face. Especially, he is dealing with you with his face. So he is trusting in you. So he's amazing. So giving righteousness to you means that and it's not something you know, he has given you know, as a remedy for you know, healing the the, the corruption of human being, but it is the original element that has given to Adam from the moment of creation.
So what God has, you know, expected is that you know, He is working with God and He is growing into perfection. That He is being made entire. That He finally became like God, becomes like God. Of course, you know, whatever you choose, no matter whatever you choose, you know, He has means and He has answers to solve the problems because He knows everything and He can do anything. So the reason that God, Jesus came to the earth is that this plan, this plan starts from the moment of fall of humankind. And that's why it says that the, the sons of the the, 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 the the woman will trample down the head of snake. But this is not the original plan for of God. So righteousness will bring you to the original plan of God in the creation of the humankind. So can you understand what I mean? So we cannot say that you know God has expected the fall of the humankind that He has planned you know, sending Jesus to us. This misunderstanding of the truth will you know create some spiritual confusion in you. So, like, you know, you are saying that God is God of love, God loves me, but you cannot feel the love of God. And you are afraid of God instead. Like, you know, uh, you, what if I, I, I commit sin again? What if God judges me? What if God takes away from me? So this sort of, you know, you know fear is being created in you because of the misunderstanding of the truth about who He is. <laughs> God never, you know, by force, you know, to control you, controls you, and leads you. You know, so the fact that you have the free will from God is amazing truth, right? So the only being that can reject the will of God is human being among all creatures. So from the point of view, God is very dangerous to give human beings free will. But because of love, out of his love, he decided to give us his free will. So it's not possible for God, for God that, you know, I, I make him, you know, to love me only, you know, like a robot. It's not love. It's not how the love is working. And there's two conditions for love. Now, he has to love me, you know, voluntarily. He has to choose, he choose, no. Choose to love me, and then another condition is that he has to be mature you know, to love me. That's why you have to grow spiritually, continuously to love God, right? So, uh, despite all these dangers, he has loved us that he gave us his free will. So many people misunderstand the love of God. So when you repent and when you are forgiven, means that, you know, it's not something very small from the point of view of the Creator God. It's about the honor of the Creator God. Despite, you know, losing his honor, you know, he wants to embrace you with that forgiveness. So Ahab, King Ahab, he committed, he sinned a lot and he, God has sent Elijah to Ahab and Ahab began to repent before God and as Elijah was you know, coming out of the, the 
capital city, but you know, in the midst of the way, you know, God told Elijah, you know, to say to, to prophesy to Ahab that, you know, that will not be happen in your lifetime, and he is, you know, renewing, and he is, you know, canceling his pro original prophecy, which means that you know, he is now abandoning his honor because of his love. So, this is our God, you know, and he cannot react against us, you know, like a gangster, you know. Please don't misunderstand love of God. No. He loves you tremendously that you cannot even measure his love. His love is unlimited. So that is about righteousness. So inside this righteousness, all elements are included. Love, because of the righteousness, he gives you love and he gives you glory and his glory. And, and glory is the only reason for us to live. So that is why Genesis 1.28, and God has created Adam as a royal being, the glorious being. He is destined to rule over the world, and he will be multiplied, and he will fill the world, and he will overcome all the demons. And even before the creation of the human beings, Lucifer was there. And then the human being is destined to overcome all the demons. So Adam is created as a priestly being and royal being as well. So glory is not something created newly, but it was originally given to us in the moment of creation. So if the enemy has taken this glory from you, then it's natural for you to feel anger and rage against the enemy. So 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So, and many scholars speak about the Romans you know, with the theme of justification by faith. So you are justified by faith. But, but, you know, justification by faith is not the core of the book of Romans. In terms of the whole structure of the book. Until chapter 3, it seems that Paul is focusing on the theme of justification by faith, but even this Romans chapter 3, it talks about glorification and sanctification. And the focus of Romans is glorification and sanctification. And it's not about being justified by faith, simply. So listen carefully. So you cannot just boast that I am saved by the grace of God with faith. No. As soon as you are saved, you know, all the plans of God will be working for you. Even to becoming an heir of God. And the glory of the royal being, royal children of God. This happens you know, at the same time when you are saved. Amen. So as I spoke earlier, no, the early churches, when they will receive salvation, they will be going into the maturity of spirituality the, to reach to the glorification of God. Because this is the nature of the event of salvation. 
So, for instance, in case of our church, when a certain person comes to the church, we are training them to use the spiritual gift. And they do the 20 days fasting and 40 days fasting. Of course, you know, it's a case of those who are saved. Why? Why? Because the event of salvation will make them to do that way. No, of course, no, 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 and no, for the, the, the first stage of our church, you know, though as soon as a certain person comes to the church and they become, you know, minister in six months, after six months, this is not something abnormal, this is not something, you know, on nature, no, no, extra one, you know, but, you know, this is done by the event of salvation. So please receive this you know, with faith. It's not something extraordinary. So this is not something that has created newly, but it's a restoration of the original plan of God. So that is why the book of Hebrews 6 says that, you know, it talks about the incarnation of Jesus, that, you know, I will bless you, bless you, bless you. And this is the promise of the blessing in Genesis 10. And the authority, kingly authority that is given to Adam will be restored through Jesus and be fulfilling everything and multiplying and, and ruling over and, and have dominion over all the creatures. You know, like that, you know, all the, the power and authority is now being restored. So that is why the church has the authority to rule over the world because it's the original plan for God, of God for the human humankind. So that's why the church has the authority to rule over all creatures. You have to believe this truth, believe in this truth strongly, powerfully. So verse 24, and we have the word redemption here. And redemption comes from the Hebrew word God. The reason that you know God leads us into His glory is not just you know, make us into going into entering into heaven, but redemption means that you no, know, you are you know chosen as heirs of the kingdom of God. So that is why God has given you grace. Grace is not pay. You cannot pay back the grace of God, right? It means that it's free. But why is it free? Is it too cheap? No. You cannot measure the price of grace. So you cannot measure the price and price of the grace. So you cannot calculate the, the value of the grace you know, from the human point of view. So let's say God is, you know, you know, you know, working for you to fill the measure of grace every day. But the evidence that you are receiving grace is that you are excited every, every day, you know, every time, you know, because you cannot, you know, understand the measure of grace you know, from the human point of view. So the clear evidence that you are receiving grace is that you understand the fact that you cannot buy your own strength. You cannot live on your own. So this is the evidence that you are living by grace. So another evidence is that you know about your dignity. And another evidence is that 
because it's the gift from God, you are not shaken by the symptoms and circumstances outside. Like, I don't have money, but this is not the point of grace. But you will think that, okay, how God is you know, planning you know, to give me his abundance for me. So when you face some suffering, no, no, when you live by grace, and you will expecting the great victory that God is going to give to you. So this is the response if you are receiving grace from him. So can you feel that? So can you feel the grace of God? Can you live your life by the grace of God? So 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. So the core message is about the blood of Jesus, right? But the blood is that. What kind of blood is it? Is the blood shed on the cross? So let's look at you know what kind of blood it is. And most of commentaries you know describe the blood as the blood on Christ, I mean on the cross. So this blood has the record of human sin because the sin record of sin is imparted on Jesus, right? So that is why I'm saying that the core of the book of Romans is not justification by faith. Even chapter 3, Paul does not focus on justification by faith. So it says that, you know, through the shedding of his blood, you know, to receive by faith, he did this to demonstrate righteousness. So what is the original meaning of atonement is called klasterion in Greek and klasterion is some is, is a, the, the Ark of Covenant, the cover of the Ark of Covenant in the Holy of Holies and this is from Exodus 25-22 and God promised to Israel that if you shed the blood on the the cover of the ark and I will meet you with you. So the blood that you have to uh, sprinkle you know, upon the Holy of Holies is the blood without record of sin. So in the same way, we can understand that you know, what Paul is speaking about in verse 25 is the blood without the record of sin. So with the blood of Jesus, we are entering into the Holy of Holies. And then through this, God is demonstrating his righteousness to us. And with the forgiveness of the sins. And he is declaring that we are sinless and the power of the blood coming to us in this way. So that's why in verse 25, he says that he demonstrated his righteousness. And he will judge sin. So that is why Jesus became Jesus became the, the sacrifice for atonement. You know. So he will die. He will die because of our sin. So the righteousness is something is it's very you know dangerous and dreadful. You know, someone has to die because of sins, but instead of us he died for us. That is righteousness of God. But it doesn't end there. And verse twenty six 
he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So his righteousness, what does it mean? It's the righteousness, you know, that you know he will not have any relationship with sin. He has to judge sin, but you know, it says that um, he will justify those who have faith in Jesus. So Jesus died instead of me, on behalf of me, and the way in which he is demonstrating his righteousness is that he declares us righteous and we are sinless, <laughs> that we can meet with, encounter with God. You know, originally righteousness is something very you know, dangerous because it requires someone's death, but because of being Jesus being the, the sacrifice of atonement, he solved the conflict between love and righteousness that you know, I am able to meet with God, that I can encounter with God, that I can see his face, that you know, we have to praise the God of glory who gave us this righteousness. Lord, we thank you that you have given us righteousness. So, let's pray. It's already one, so it's lunch time. So can you understand the word of God? And it's the word of God working in you. And now the nuclear reactor of gospel is working in you. So we will be meeting together in 2.30 in the afternoon. And then please looking forward to the evening session as well. You have to taste the authority of the word of God. And you will feel that the powerful authority of God is going to work in you. So let's praise the glory, uh, God of glory.